from the Thai Cats Audio Network. This is the Thai Cats This Week with RJ Broadhead and Luke Tasker. Three games remain in the regular season for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and they're on their last trip out west, visiting Calgary. Welcome to Tie Cats this week. I'm RJ Broadhead. He's Luke Tasker. Tie Cats, five wins, 10 losses. Calgary, 10 wins, five losses. So the inverse, and of course, the Stampeders have had a, a pretty good season. They're right near the top in a lot of statistics for the Tiger Cats. Luke, in their five wins, they've trailed at some point in all of those victories. Four of those five wins have been within seven points. Nothing, it seems, has has come easy for the Tiger Cats, but they still have a chance at the playoffs. It's crazy, isn't it? It is. And amazingly, the, the most secure win that they had was, of course, against Winnipeg, you know, like of all things. And that was slipping at times. Yeah, even that one. And then they kind of salvaged their fourth quarter there. And that was that's kind of the thing that stands out about their last two wins, uh, Winnipeg and Sask, is what they were able to do in the fourth quarter both in both games, putting together those long drives and sort of holding on and sustaining that at those times in the game when, you know, obviously we've said a thousand times that was such a big problem for them, you know, in, in many of their losses this year. The more good news with the, the second half, which has been a, a story, the defense, the Tiger Cats defense shut out Saskatchewan in the second half. First time they've posted a shutout in the second half this season outscored the Riders 9-0, so by no means did the Tiger Cats put up a ton of points, but that zero on the side of Saskatchewan was huge, and it was the second time that the Tiger Cats have won when trailing at halftime. But that second half by the defense, if if they can, you can't expect them to get a shutout every second half, but they were phenomenal against Saskatchewan. They have to be carrying some momentum into Calgary, don't they? Uh, absolutely, and we'll you know uh, get into the lineup, I'm sure, as well, and, and the changes yep. there, but... I thought the secondary, um, you know, are kind of coming into their own, got some turnovers. And then, of course, just like you can't expect a shutout in every second half, you can't expect seven sacks either in in, in every game. Yeah. Uh, but that was certainly a huge part of the Saskatchewan win and what they were able to do to Cody Fajardo. Um, but if that, that uh, pressure, if they can keep on, you know, at least a strong pass rush, um, you know, and, and, and force, uh, force, you know, opponents to, to have to make those quick decisions. And that was huge in that SAS game. Really, really a key to that defensive success. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about the sacks because you, you brought it up, Luke, and it's definitely a topic. Seven sacks against Saskatchewan. Malik Carney with the, the hat trick of sacks. You look at the defense. Simone Lawrence is back. He's missed the Little last baby. six games. He'll, he'll <laughs> be back. So the defense is is pretty close. Really, the only starter missing is Dylan Wynn, and, and that is a, a big missing piece. But Ted Laurent steps into the middle there, and Malik Carney stepped up on the end, and we know what Julian Hauser's done. The problem with getting to Jake Mayer and the Stampeders is the Stamps have allowed the fewest quarterback sacks. In fact, there was a great stat. On first down, they've allowed just three quarterback sacks all season long. But somehow... The Tiger Cats have to find a way to get to them, don't they? I think so. I, I think it just—it's unbelievable how much that helps their uh, the 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 secondary when they're applying that kind of pressure, that seven sack pressure. I mean, it's just huge, and and you know that you're going to be able to play a little bit more aggressive uh, when Cody Fajardo or Jake Mayer, if they're rushing and having to having to get the ball out of their hand quickly, those that secondary can can lick their chops a little bit more. Um, you know, you mentioned Dylan Wynn and, and, you know, maybe 
both of our one of our favorite players i think in for our sure booth, i would say rj yeah oh yeah <laughs> and and of course uh you know he's missing dearly from the lineup but the run not only the pass pressure but the run defense last week and what they were able to do uh against that effectively pretty much eliminating it uh from saskatchewan's uh approach uh at tim horton's field last week that combination was was deadly. I mean, that, they they had a really impressive game um, across the board, with the exception of some of those. You know, you, we saw early on in that second quarter a, a penalty sort of propel and sort of slingshot uh, what was a Saskatchewan successful drive. And you, so you have a couple blunders here and there, but statistically it was an unbelievable game. Uh, and so that combination, uh, man, if they can if they can force uh, Jake Mayer to make the, the force those the, the quick pass. And then also to take away uh, some of that run, man, uh, you know, it's hard to lose a game when your defense plays like that. With the penalties, Luke, it hasn't happened often where the Tiger Cats have taken more penalty yards than their opponents. It was just the fifth time this season, but they've done it now in back-to-back games. Do you think that's something that's being talked about going into this Calgary game? Well, and in Montreal, it was... Well, more noticeable, of course, from a loss in Montreal with the penalty yards, but it was it was abysmal. I mean, there was 130 some penalty yards in the Montreal game that was just it was at bad times. Uh, It was compounding. There was back to back plays with penalties. And that does come down to a discipline thing. You've got to be really, really careful with that kind of stuff. RJ, I'm I'm, as I go through my week and listen to our broadcast, re-listen to ours. Yeah, it's reminding me of of the physicality of that Saskatchewan game and the mentality of playoff football that we saw that leads to those misconduct unnecessary rough that those types of penalties which are often 15 yarders which are really really game-changing penalties that comes down to a discipline thing you've got to be able to reel it in you've got to be able to to you know swallow the pill there in that moment when you when you want to retaliate or lash out and you've got to be able to avoid taking that I mean I've said it this way in the booth RJ and it, it kills me with no yards penalties because they're so costly. It's not a five yard, not, it's a 15 <laughs> yard penalty. And that's different. I, I just that's... Wish... Sorry, Luke, <laughs> I'll let you continue, but I just want to add a little side note. I just wish the listeners could, could see your reaction on those no yards penalties. <laughs> you don't however, like I, I however energized I am in the call, I'm even physically, I'm even, I'm going through even a harder time in the booth. It's a struggle for me. <laughs> Um, well, they're, it's just so damaging and, and specifically to the no yards, that's not a, you know, that's, that's an effort penalty. You're trying your hard. You, you want to make the tackle, uh, you want to get in, in the right position. And so that's hard to do. And it's damaging, really damaging that 15 yards. But the, for those, when you get the misconduct style, roughing the passer, those are controllables and you've got to be able to pull off that and save that it's, it's it falls into coach O's, the, the realm of controllables and uncontrollables. I grant that sometimes the no yards falls into what is close to an uncontrollable factor, a, a missed kick that you don't expect from your punter. And so you're too close uh, and it happens all kinds of ways, but those most of those call them misconduct style, 15 yarders unsportsmanlike, all that. Most of that falls into a category of controllable factors in a playoff team. If you want to win the East, if you want to get into these playoffs for the Ticats, win the East, win the gray cup, you, you eliminate those. Absolutely. Hey, Ticats fans, it's time to ride on our strength. And literally, it's time because today is the last day. 
to purchase four eligible Hercules passenger or light truck tires to receive a $100 Ticats Rewards card and be entered to win our road trip sweepstakes available at participating Active Green and Ross Ontario locations or visit HerculesTires.com slash AGR Rewards. So if you're listening to this on Thursday, which is when we're chatting, it is currently Thursday, you got to get out and you got to get your Hercules tires. If, if you're listening on Friday, it's too late. It's too late. We can set you up for the game. You'll have all the information for the game on Friday night, but you, you can't get into the sweepstakes. So this is it. The time is time is running out, and it's kind of running out in the CFL season, too. It's, it's pretty exciting because the Tiger Cats still have a chance. The Riders still have a chance. Ottawa's still in the mix, and, and we'll know what happens in that Ottawa-Montreal game prior to our game on on Friday, which is now scheduled to start at nine forty five ish, with that Montreal Ottawa game before it, so that'll be interesting. If Montreal wins, Hamilton has no chance for a second spot. So basically, there is a, a tiny little chance for the Tiger Cats to finish second in the East. They'd have to win out. Montreal would have to lose out. So that could be up for grabs. If Ottawa wins, they're right in the thick of things and really sets up two exciting games for the Tiger Cats to, to finish out the season. It's, um, you know, so many teams are still in it. But one thing that really stands out, Calgary's number one in turnover differential. They're plus 20. Tiger Cats are the worst at minus 22. So that's like a, a 44 turnover swing there. That's crazy when you think about that. But the top five teams with the best turnover ratio have all qualified for the playoffs. Uh Montreal, and then the sixth team will be either Saskatchewan, Hamilton, or Ottawa. So it's it's pretty interesting. We've talked about that stat all year long, and it doesn't lie. The best turnover ratios not. are all in the playoffs. You're right, and you know, I guess you could, if you want to get real technical about it, you could you could ask correlation or causation. Are the good teams uh, are they good so they don't turn the ball over, or are they are they good because they don't turn the ball over? Um, you know, I argue for the latter. I mean, that, that there's a reason, uh, we saw it's statistically so improbable to win a game after getting a punt blocked and the Ticats did that and they turned and they, the punt was blocked deep into their own end really goes to show how even more impressive that defensive uh, performance was against Saskatchewan kind of overcoming. That was a huge error that they had to overcome. And we talked about in the broadcast, just how costly all turnovers, specifically a blocked punt is. Uh, I mean, that is a dagger of, of, a, of a turnover to make. And the Ticats overcame that. I mean, that's kind of encouraging yeah. in one sense, but y y you're not going to string that kind of thing together very, very frequently. Um, those teams in the positive turnover ratio in Calgary, that is impressive. Just as, just as you know, really frustrating, the Ticats negative 22 turnover is, and they've been, a ne they've kind of bounced into that, the low 20, the negative low twenties for a couple of weeks now. They've in, in a sense, they've kind of flattened out, but early in the season, it was, it's, you make it almost impossible uh, to win some games when, with the turnover ratio like that. Uh, and, and on the other side of that ratio, Calgary, you can overcome and it can correct a lot of wrongs. If you win a turnover ratio, especially by plus two or more in a game. And they've obviously done that, throughout the year uh, time and again. So huge. I mean, Dane Evans, um, you know, a lot of that falls on his shoulders. Uh, we've talked about already throughout the season, RJ, uh, in my opinion, uh, Dane, Dane plays his best 
when he is going out there and trying and and, th- and going for touchdowns. You know, I, I I just we've seen a sort of conservative approach that stalls, and then when that happens, you kind of start forcing things. Uh, and a lot of those and a lot of those high turnover games for the Ty Cats got to a, got to a place on the scoreboard or at, at moments in the game where all you could do is force. And if you can go out there and get the get the ball in playmakers' hands early. Um, I think I, I feel Dane gets on streaks where he, he turns into to being somewhat unstoppable. It was an interesting game for, for Dane Evans. Wes Hill stole the show, no doubt about yeah. it. 25 rushes. Dane only had 24 pass attempts, only completed 11 of those Threw a couple interceptions, didn't throw a touchdown Threw for just over 200 yards. And the Tiger Cats offense scored just one touchdown for the second straight game and the fourth time in five games. If the Tiger Cats don't beat Saskatchewan, we're probably talking about some of those numbers. Um, But they got away with the victory, and a a victory overshadows a a lot of maybe not-so-stellar performances. So it wasn't Dane's best effort, but did it have to be the way Wes Hills was running? And are you concerned that they seem to only be getting one touchdown a game? You know, a little bit I am, but I will say this. Midpoint of the season, you either had good quarterback play or you lost. You know? And not yeah. to say that Dane's game was 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 bad. Like you said, it wasn't a horrible game. Uh, in fact, and I thought he played well in Montreal and they lost. So I think the team is maybe progressing to a point the Ticats are where it's not so dependent on, on Dane. Um, you know, it's almost like you can just kind of operate you know, you certainly, you know, you can manage some dry spells of offense if you're not turning the ball over at least. Um, but similar to turning the ball over too much, uh, those, those 15 yard penalties, you can't expect a win on one touchdown very, very often. It's not going to happen. That was the first time all season they'd won with less than 19 points. And, and that's kind of uncommon in the CFL. The Ticats hadn't done it yet. And now they've got that. I guess I guess I want to I want to expound on the inverse of that though. There is something encouraging about that. They are finding different ways to win. Whereas, yes. like I said early in the season, it was great game by your quarterback or a, or a loss, right? And yeah. all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they have a, a running back with over a hundred yards. They've got an unbelievable pass rush. Um, overcome the block punt. Maybe a more well-rounded team we're seeing as you get into the playoffs, and uh, you know, it, and good timing. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see this receiving core. Anthony Johnson stepped up back in the lineup. He led the yeah. team in in receiving yards. Uh, Stephen Dunbar will be back. Tim White got to a thousand yards receiving. So a little more experience in there with Stephen Dunbar coming back and Anthony Johnson coming off a a big game. Are you expecting more of a of a passing game, or does it depend on? It seemed like, hey, until you can stop Wes Hills, we're going to run him. Is is that maybe going to be the game plan going into Calgary too? I asked Coach O earlier this week in the Coach O show how how they went into that game with with Wes Hills. Were they expecting to give him that many carries and to and to and to see him potentially break a hundred yards, or was that a uh, you know reactive thing to all of a sudden they were having a lot of success and 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 Sask wasn't stopping the run, and so then they piled on the run game. Um, his answer was, you know, they were looking to get West Hills more than 10 carries. And sometimes, you know, sometimes a running back, I think, especially in the CFL, you know, you expect you want to get that six yards, seven yards on first down. 
but they haven't ran the ball very much, you know, for, for two quarters. Right. I think yeah. with West Hills, I, I think they're, that they're going to, they're going to give them a chance early and often and, and, and try to get some production on that. And it certainly helps out Dane and the receivers too, when you do get that kind of production. Absolutely. One, one thing I, I didn't pay as much attention to as I probably should have in the game, but I'm going to in Friday's game against Calgary, Jamal Roll and Kariel Brooks, they're, they're so good on that side. Neither one of them had a tackle. So my assumption mm-hmm. there is they weren't targeted a lot. It maybe Saskatchewan showed them a ton of respect. Yeah, you think so? I mean, that's tough. We uh, uh, when Delvin Bro was with the Ticats, you know, he was having a sort of a quiet statistical year, and everybody knew it's because nobody's throwing the ball at him. Because <laughs> because when Delvin was in was in his, the prime of his career, he was he was an NFL cornerback, uh, and it was and it was really really hard man coverage or out there on an island with him to to get a receiver open. Um, so certainly that can happen. It's a good call though. We it's a good thing to pay attention to, and I think I mean Jamal Rule has been impressive for his career, um, but you know he's made plays all over the place and. You can also argue this, RJ, that it's hard for those guys to make tackle when Tunde Adelike is, is right over top of the ball every time a receiver catches it. Yeah, Tunde's so fast, he seems to be in on, on every play and closes yeah. the gap really quick. We talked about the offense, only one touchdown. Seth Small was great, so again, he's putting up points. He went four for four. He's hit his uh, last nine field goals, so he's on a, a nice run again. We'll see what the weather will be in Calgary. I looked earlier, it looks like it's going to be actually – Pretty nice evening where it's going to be in the high teens Celsius. Um, I know you probably know all about <laughs> Celsius now. <laughs> but 20 is 68, 30 is 86, uh, 10 is 50. I got the whole thing memorized. Don't worry. <laughs> You've had to. So yeah. Calgary's in the playoffs for a, a 17th straight season. The franchise is, is really impressive. 14 straight seasons above 500. That includes this season. And Hamilton has not been good in Calgary. 15 straight losses. They haven't won in Calgary since 2004 when Danny McManus, who was just honored <laughs> on the wall of honor, was their quarterback. So you never won I was won 13 in years old, RJ. No, not a chance. <laughs> I was 13 years old, RJ. I, I okay. couldn't spell CFL. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tiger Cats are 0-7 on the road this year. And I looked through, I, I went up to about 1995, and no team has qualified for the playoffs with zero wins on the road in the regular season. So maybe it happened way down when the American teams were in or, or way in the early days, but certainly since the mid-90s, our team winless on the road has not qualified for the playoffs. Wow. The Tiger Cats have lost 15 straight in Calgary. Luke? Give me a reason to be optimistic as a Tiger Cats fan going into this game. Well, I lived these experiences because even when I, my first year in 2013, that was still a long time since they had won in Cal. You know, what I mean, like it was there was already a story. It was a storyline for my entire career. <laughs> we had we had plenty of games where it, there's no magic about it. it's just any other football game. And but and here's the problem is that you start to believe that stuff. And you get there, and all of a sudden the game's really close in the third quarter, and it's like, oh, we actually could win this game. <laughs> I didn't realize. <laughs> like, and, you know, and like, like it's, it, there's nothing different about it. It's the same. It's the same field. It's all that they've got a great. I mean, that's really interesting. The the uh, 
you know, they, they've just been a strong franchise for 20 years, you know, yes. like they, they've just, they just consistently have a winning, uh, uh, franchise there. Um, they, they've, they've always had really great, uh, Canadian play, uh, in Calgary. And that starts to compound on itself because guys get to points in their career where they're free agents and they say, okay, well, I want to go to Calgary and win a great cup, you know, and that starts to really carry <laughs> weight. Um, and so that's just been the, the history that they've had. And so tough place to play. Yes. But so is Sask. So is Winnipeg. So is Edmonton. So is Montreal. It's just, you know, it's hard to go on the road in the CFL, but there's nothing magical about Calgary. Uh, I remembered games where, you know, we were neck and neck in the fourth quarter going down. I scored a late touchdown in Calgary once in the fourth quarter that I remember about. And we we ended up uh, again, losing it, obviously. But, you know, it was, it was, you you almost realize how, how kind of silly it is at some points in those games. And then of course, 60 to three was the score of the yes. game in Calgary in 2017, which, uh, or 61 to three, uh, which put us to Owen, I think at that point, the season Owen six or something, um, you know, and that was a different, that was different teams, but that sort of was, you know, it's an example. We, we, we knew that was a hard, hard place to play. And the team was, we were a bad football team at the time. So, um, these guys have to realize that they're in a sense, um, reinvented, from what was earlier this season, they are playing much better and much more well-rounded. And that's kind of what I mean by the SAS game. They won in, in a different way than they went, won the other four games this year. When they put, when they beat SAS at home, it looked a little bit different as far as run game and the pass rush, uh, overcoming some of the penalties that early in the season kind of killed the games, right? Like they started making mistakes mm-hmm. and couldn't stop. They overcame that stuff. So they're different. They'll be able to go out there and handle some of the adversity and, 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 uh, and make a change if things start going wrong. Um, you know, in line with winning on the road, winning on the road, when you from behind coming back on the road, that's a whole nother thing. They've got to get out there and put some points up in the first half. Yeah. I'm excited for it because Calgary, they still have a lot to play for. They want to host a a playoff game. So they're battling with BC. They played the same amount of games, have the same amount of points as the lions. So that could come right down to the final couple of games. So Calgary won't be resting players, but the tiger cats are the healthiest they've been in a long time. We talked about the defense. Simone's back. So the linebacking core is the one that they had penciled in at the start of the season, the secondary, same thing. Dylan Wynn missing on the defensive line, but we've seen Malik Carney step up. Ted Laurent will step into that middle spot. And then Stephen Dunbar's back. Tim White's had a great year. Anthony Johnson's emerging, and he could be a star in the CFL. So Dane's going to have some options. And and with Lamar Durant and Keandre Smith there as well. And Wes Hills is playing great. And the offensive line is invisible so to speak you don't talk about it unless sacks are being allowed and you can't run the ball so the offensive line will be the same one they've had for the last few games there's a lot of things to like for the tiger cats and i think they're they're taking their pretty close to their best possible team to to calgary and what should be a, a playoff game would you agree with that i do and after all the quarterback uh injuries and and back and forth you've got dane and matt schiltz backing him up um, yes, it's kind of right where you wanted to, to be at the, uh, you know, in October, as you get into these meaningful games. And I think RJ, one of the interesting things here is how impactful the West is becoming on the Eastern playoffs, obviously with the threat of a, of a crossover, but so Sask is like, Sask might as well be an East team by now. We've known that since last week, yep. uh, but with Hamilton against Calgary, 
then Sask will play Calgary twice after their bye week to end the season. And so Calgary is really interesting in how this is going to shape up as well. If you, if Hamilton can beat Calgary, Calgary will continue to have to really work to have a home game in the playoffs, which will make them play Sask better, which makes Sask opponents, you know, the whole thing is every game, just like last week, Hamilton by winning that game kept keeps all the power in their own hands as far as their fate and win win out and you're in. But if, but by winning this game, they, they gain more power back into their, into their grasp grasp by making Sask's road even more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think of that, Luke. That is, that, that is a, a magnificent point that then Calgary is desperate to win those last two games. So right. not only the Tiger Cats get a win, but it makes it tougher on the riders. I love it. I love it. You could win a trip to the Ticats October 29th away game in Ottawa with Journey Rewards. That's the final road game. So this game in Calgary is the second last. You could win this trip to Ottawa with Journey Rewards. Simply hit Ticats.ca slash Journey Rewards uh, to uh, enter to win two tickets on Via Rail, hotel and game tickets, plus a chance at other prizes, including an autographed Ticats jersey, $250 gift card to the Ticats shop. So go on the road with the Ticats to Ottawa with Journey Rewards. Again, it's Ticats.ca slash Journey Rewards. So that final game against Ottawa is shaping up to be, it could be quite important. Um, I just want to go through the scenario so we know if the Tiger Cats win out, they're going to make the playoffs. If they win their final three games, the, the, Riders can match them in points. Doesn't matter because right. the tie goes to the East Division team and Ottawa can't catch them. So that's that's the easy way. If the Riders win one of their games, then the Tiger Cats need to win two of their last three games. So a loss in Calgary basically is is not the end of the world for the Tiger Cats. There's it it, it will make things way way easier, but there's there's still hope going into Calgary, and if mm-hmm. a 16th straight loss happens, then Tiger Cats are, are, are still alive. Yeah, interestingly, they are. So maybe this is your next question coming, but <laughs> guys, technically this is not a must-win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but... Can you believe yeah, it? Three games left, and I haven't gotten you to say must win yet. I know, I know. The uh, and that's the interesting thing about the CFL is just that, that you're still we're still still going. Everyone they still they've still got a chance, even regardless of what happens. But just like last week, I mean, if the Ticats would have lost the game in Sask, we're looking at the last three games desperately here, and it's not quite that. And if they are able to get this win in Calgary, and and just mathematically that puts them in a really good position but even but uh emotionally to go break the losing streak in calgary just like they did yes. winnipeg you know winnipeg was so hot when they came into tim hortons field to beat them and what that does for the morale if you go out to calgary and beat this hamilton is looking like an entirely different team as they enter the playoffs uh, than anyone could have expected yeah really throw the first 14 games out and those last four games turn into the the most important, then you're in the playoffs, yeah. and who knows what can happen. There's, there's been so much to talk about. It's it's always been exciting. It's a 5-10 and 10 record for the Tiger Cats, 10-5 and 5 for the Stampeders. Both teams want the win. They need the win. Tiger Cats need it to continue their pursuit of the playoffs, and the Stampeders need it to continue to stay in the hunt for a home playoff game. And uh, the kickoff... Scheduled for 9.30, might be 9.45, but we will be there. We'll have it for you on the Ticats Audio Network. And and again, Luke, like 
the previous 15 weeks. Cannot wait for this one because there's a lot on the line. Very excited, RJ, and it'll be a great game, I'm sure. And everybody, just like last week, we're going to see some energy and some physicality, I think. Well, hope you can join us on the on the Ticats Audio Network. Might be a bit of a, a late night, but that's okay. It's, it's Friday. Most of you will be off Saturday or can work tired on Saturday. And maybe <laughs> it'll be a Tiger Cats victory. So thanks for tuning in to Ticats this week, and we'll chat to you at the game on Friday against the Stampeders, Tiger Cats in Calgary, and it's a 9.30 Eastern time start. It's been another busy week for your Hamilton Tiger Cats. Luke Tasker and RJ Broadhead have covered it all, and now we would like to hear from you. Email us anytime at gamedayatiecats.ca. Subscribe to the Tiger Cats Audio Network on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.